0: Sorry, we missed a podcast last week. It was a holiday week and I was coming off the Chicago Marathon. We're going to talk about all of that today, but I wanted to let you know that registration is now open for the Earn That Body Holiday Challenge. So, if you want to join us and not gain weight over the holidays, anyone can join the holiday challenge. Go to earnthatbody.com. You'll see a link right on top that asks if you want information about the holiday challenge probably one of my most popular programs of the year. It's super fun. You can earn prizes, and you're going to get access to the all-new Strength in No Time video series with the Holiday Challenge, so definitely check that out. Again, we're going to talk today a little bit about my marathon, but not about Chicago Marathon, although it was awesome. But I see this direct correlation between marathon running and life. And I have talked about it before, but I've narrowed it down to these three, five things. Whether you're a marathoner or not, these five things are an essential comparison between marathons and life. And like I said, even if you're not a marathoner, these five things are definitely impacting your health and your ability to have a happy life. So it's kind of a neat, it's a neat correlation that I've put together, and it's something that happened on many, many runs out there, many training runs. I had a lot of time to do, a lot of thinking, and that's definitely where a lot of the information from today's podcast came about, and I think you're really going to enjoy it, and you're really going to get a lot of, you'll get a lot of insight on what my mind goes through during the marathon and how that makes a play into your life. But first, this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, I came across a great article in the Idea Fitness magazine, and the title of the magazine article was Social Media Influencers Give Inaccurate Health Advice. Now, this is so true. And if I could tell you how many times I've scrolled through Instagram or Facebook and saw these influencers who have so many followers, you know, and they get like 3,000 likes on a post, and I look at the post and I'm like, okay, that's completely inaccurate information. It could be health information, nutrition information. I see them doing workouts where their form is absolutely horrible. And I'm always wondering, like, how does this person get 3,000 likes and they're not even giving accurate information? Well, when I came across this article, I thought, well, yes, that's exactly right. I see this all the time. And I think it's really important for people to realize that these social media influencers are not necessarily giving you the right information. So according to this article, this is what they said. Have you been frustrated by bad health and fitness advice doled out by social media influencers? You're not alone. And if you sense that much of the popular online health information is wrong, Well, guess what, everyone, you're right. A recent study of key UK social media influencers' weight management blogs presented at the European Congress on Obesity in Glasgow, Scotland in April 2019 showed that most of these influencers were not reliable weight management resources. We found that the majority of the blogs could not be considered credible, as they often presented opinion as fact and failed to meet the UK nutritional criteria. This is potentially harmful as these blogs reach a very wide audience. Now, investigators reviewed influencers who had a minimum of 80 Thousand followers, which let me tell you something, you guys. 80,000 followers is so much. On Facebook, I have 5,000. 80,000 is crazy. That's definitely a big one. So they only looked at people who had a minimum of 80,000 followers on at least one social media site, blue tick verification that recognized the person as being influential on at least two social media sites, and an active weight management blog. Nine influencers met these criteria. They made a 12-point checklist of credibility indicators for each social media influencer that included things like, are there appropriate and visible disclaimers displayed on the blog? Are they adequately qualified to provide weight management advice? Does the blog adhere to UK nutritional criteria? Researchers also analyzed the 10 latest recipes on each blog for nutritional data. And guess what? Only three influencers, three influencers, everyone, uh, recipes met calorie targets set by public health, England and UK food standards. So basically what they're saying, they said that only one out of nine influencers met the standards. So what are we going to do about that? Well, you really have to take social media with a grain of salt. If you're following someone on social media and you're looking at their workouts, just don't assume they have the best form. Don't assume they know what they're doing. A lot of the social media influencers out there obviously are looking to make money. They're looking to sell a product. And so you may always see a connection between their workout to a certain product that they're selling. They may not even be behind that product, but they're selling it because it's making them money. So whenever a social media influencer is selling you something, which let's face it, they're they're online to make money, right? That's where you really want to be worried. If they're selling you a supplement, you should be very cautious of that because they might not necessarily know anything about that supplement other than that that company said, we will give you a percentage of money for everyone who uses your discount code. And so then they're going to go online and be like, this is the best protein powder there is. This is the best support this and, and here's my you know, code and I use it every day, even if they don't use it every day they're going to say they do and they're only trying to make a buck. So not all of these influencers honestly have any accurate information. So if if you really like someone, go to their website, see what their, you know, what are what are their accreditations in? What where was their education? What do they have backing them? And always a good idea that find out if they do talk about certain facts, where did the facts come from? Like, I always try to tell you in a podcast, like, this came from Harvard Medical News, or, you know, I try to give you that information. Or I often say, this is my personal opinion. And that's okay. It's okay for a social media influencer to give their personal opinion as long as they are not claiming that it is fact. So that's just a little bit today on social media. But now let's get into the reality of this. Running a marathon is really no different than your life. I call this podcast the marathon on the road and the marathon on the road to life because there are so many parallels that I have found. And when I train for a marathon, I train anywhere from four to five months, very religiously running at least five days a week. And I have a lot of time on my hands, let's just say, during those runs. And what I came up with is the real fact that there's these five things that kept resonating with me every time I went for a run or while I was racing that had a direct correlation to my life. And not just my life, but really everyone's. So let's just jump right in. And again, you do not have to be a marathoner to get something out of this episode. The very first one is that the beginning is always easy, and this goes for anything in life, right? The beginning of any program, potentially, that you try, or the beginning of a race, even. We all sort of breeze through that first week, right? So say it's a weight loss program. Say you're on my Earn That Body program or the Nutrition Recharge. The first week is the easiest week. Course it is. You're all excited, you're inspired, you have that I can do anything attitude, and you tend to lose weight the first week. Everything's really like positive that first week, right? You feel good and it's just you know, it's it's shining. There's a brightness over the first week. Anything is possible. You love that feeling, right? Well, that's how it is for almost everyone. And then a couple weeks into a program, again. Whether it's a weight loss program, whether it it could be a course in school, biology class, you know, the first week of biology, you're like, yeah, you start the introduction chapter, seems easy. But a couple weeks in, that's when things start to slow down, right? That's when that bright glimmer of anything is possible uh, starts to... Starts to dull a little. It's not as exciting. Now you've been doing it a couple weeks. Maybe your weight loss slowed down, which is normal, just so you know. The first week you'll always have your most weight loss. Then things start to slow down. Totally normal. Your excitement starts to drift. You sort of lose that fresh inspiration. The beginning of anything is always easy, just so you know. That's the truth. And it's no different than it was in my marathon. I just ran Chicago Marathon last Sunday, Everybody, I guarantee you, when they start a marathon, that first, let's say, four, five miles, you feel good. You're like, oh, my God, I got this. You're breezing through. You tend to go a little too fast. you got to pull yourself back. I mean, there's really no better feeling than, oh, my gosh, I'm going so fast I have to pull back. (laughs) Because that feeling doesn't last too long in a marathon. So it's just like life. That first quarter of the race, it's easy breezy, Right. Anyone can do anything in the beginning, but your true character always shows when times start to get a little tough, whether in life, whether in a class you're taking in college, whether in a marathon, it's the easy times that anyone can do, but they are not always going to stay easy it's going to get tough. And that honestly, that's when your true character shows. So the number one thing, not number one, the first, I should say, the first thing we're talking about in a comparison of life and marathon is that the beginning is always easy. Just be okay with that, be happy with it, live in the glory the next time you start anything. Now, the second thing for life and for marathons, nutrition is always going to be your limiting factor. And I mean this. Nutrition is always going to be your limiting factor in life and in a race. So look, people, this is serious. Like nutrition is the key to everything in our life. I honestly feel that way. It's nutrition over workouts. Absolutely. By far, I always say like weight loss and health is 80% nutrition, 20% exercise. So nutrition is the key. Proper nutrition is needed to stay healthy, to feel good, to be happy, to handle stress, to fight illness, to live longer, it all revolves around your nutrition. You're not going to get out of this life happily, without illness, without injury, without stress. You're not going to get through any of it well if your nutrition is not dialed in. That means not doing the detoxes, not starving yourself, not eliminating important food groups like carbohydrates, Really balancing your nutrition is the key to health and living a fantastic life. Feeling good on the inside, looking good on the outside, that's the icing on the cake, but it's all going to revolve around nutrition. Well, guess what? On race day, when you go to start that marathon, nutrition is key. You're not going to get through your race, if you are a marathoner, I'm going to tell you this right now, You are not going to get through your race without proper nutrition. And that nutrition had to have started midway at least through your training program. What does that mean? I start using my gels around my 16-mile long run. So once I get up to about 14, 16 miles, that's when I start integrating my nutrition plan. You want your body to know exactly what you're going to do on race day. You want it to know it can handle a gel every 30 to 40 minutes, whatever you're going to be doing. That's what you figure out in the training as well. Do I need a gel every 30 minutes? Do I need a gel every 40 minutes? Am I going to drink Gatorade from the course? Am I going to bring my own fuel? All of those things have to be practiced months before the race. I saw people... This really, it, it, I mean, this happens every time, but people will come to me, or I hear people say a week before the race, I'm just not sure yet what I'm going to like be doing for my, my gels or my, my, my fluids. What? A week before? You had to know that months before. You wanted to train that way. Every long run had to be done that way. I never miss a beat. I'm never going down in a marathon to bonking because I didn't have my nutrition set. Bonking means basically you ran out of fuel. You ran out of calories. You hear people talk about it all the time. I hit the wall and it's usually a factor of nutrition. If you run out of calories or you get too dehydrated, you're done and your legs literally will not move. So you've got to be practicing that the whole time. And then on game day, on race day, you have to execute. You have to execute your nutrition plan. My... Garmin watch goes off every 30 minutes and that tells me when I have to take my gel pack. I currently use Martin gels and there's a whole story behind that as well, but I currently use Martin gels every 30 minutes. My watch goes off every 30 minutes because let me tell you what happens when you're running a marathon. You start to lose your mind. You don't know what time it is. You can't remember when you had your last gel. You can't remember a whole lot. So every time my watch buzzes, that means, Oh, 30 minutes gel in my mouth take some fluid with it and move on but it has to be on point every time and i do not miss i did it let me tell you what happens around mile 18 you kind of don't want to take any more gels your stomach's not super happy you don't you don't want to I force it. You force it down. Those are the most crucial miles, right? 18 and on. You've got to force that calorie in your mouth. You've got to do it. So nutrition is key on marathon day, throughout your training, and throughout your life. It's always going to come down to nutrition. Now, number three, goals. You have got to have goals in your life because I feel like if your life gets a little stagnant, sometimes we get a little depressed. Life slows down. You get a little bored, almost. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know everyone listening to the podcast. You're super busy. Your your moms, your parents. You have full time jobs. You you have a lot going on. So I don't want to say you're bored and that you're not busy. But you know what I mean when you're just sort of like down. You're just a little bit blue. You're not excited about a whole lot. That's when you have to make sure you have goals. Set. I always talk about goals because I really think it is important to pick goals. And and I'm talking about goals that scare you just a little bit, right? I feel like I didn't even start living, like really feeling what being alive felt like until I started setting some of my sport-type goals. That nervous feeling that I had before I did my first Ironman, not knowing if I could actually complete it and then hitting that finish line and completing a goal that absolutely scared me. That is such an incredible feeling. Like you're so empowered when you reach a goal like that, you've got to feel a little nervous. I want you guys to pick big goals. Don't pick little goals that you know you can do. Pick a few goals that you don't know if you can do be okay with failing at it. Many times, I'll tell you about my failures, it's continuing and it's okay. You've got to pick things that make you a little bit nervous. Um, I did the Alcatraz Triathlon several years ago. Do you think I wasn't freaked out to jump in that water? That water is so cold. They tell you there's sharks in there. That was like the least of my worries at that point when I hit the water. I was terrified, but there was no greater accomplishment than finishing that race. I was afraid. I did the work. It's a hard, hard race. And I got to the finish line. You accomplish those type of goals, and there's a different sense of life. There's a different sense of empowerment. And those blue days... They're not so often because you're looking forward to things and you're working for things and you're striving for things and you're accomplishing things. So start setting those goals, everyone. And and yes, some of them can be easy goals, but set a couple goals that scare you. Be okay with not even being able to reach the goal right away. Maybe it's going to take five years, ten years. Be okay with that because I'm telling you, it pushes you and it gives you this sense of living. Well, even in the marathon, you've got to have goals. And I, and I definitely feel like I've, I've maybe learned this the hard way because I used to do a marathon and I used to pick one goal. And my only goal and so many people's goal when they run a marathon is just to qualify for Boston. That's all I want to do is I want to qualify for Boston. Well, I can tell you that I just ran my seventh marathon and I still have not qualified for Boston. But what I realized is you cannot be racing your marathon just for one goal. I set about five different goals this time for my race because that way, if you don't hit one or all, you know, or two of them or three of them, maybe you're just gonna hit one of them and that's okay. But you gotta have many goals and you wanna keep striving for each one because if one disappears, you need something to keep you going. And I I learned a lot about that. I read Meb's book. Meb is an Olympian, um, retired now, Olympian marathoner. If you're a runner, go get Meb's book. It's amazing. He did 26 chapters to represent the 26 marathons that he's run. And he talks a lot about the different goals that he would set in his race. And if one started to drift away because he couldn't hold a pace or he got injured, he went to his next goal to keep him going and so i really valued that a lot and i really put that into play in this recent marathon that i just did so let me tell you about what my five goals were last week my first goal always is to hit the finish line i never want to quit a marathon i never ever want to quit i want to hit that finish line i don't care how long it takes me anybody who can hit a finish line of a marathon did something amazing even if you were the last finisher that day it's even harder for the person who does it in a longer period of time it's very hard to be on your feet for that long so my very first goal is always to hit the finish line preferably without injury my number two goal was to qualify for Boston I always like to I'm always gonna go for it right and it's a big one and I knew it was a reach for me last week they just dropped the times to qualify for Boston by five minutes To make it even harder, and then you had to beat that by another two minutes to actually get in. I knew it was a big stretch for me this year, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to go for it. My third goal was I did not want to see one 10-minute mile. I didn't care if I had 9.59. I did not want to see one 10-minute mile. I've never done a marathon yet that didn't have at least one 10-minute mile. And my last marathon a year ago, mountains to beach, I blew up. That's the first race I've ever blown up. And that had to do with the training that I had. Um, I blew up at mile 17 and it was an absolute S-H-I-T show from that point on. I had an 11-minute mile. I had a 10-minute mile. I had a 10-30 mile. I mean, I that's the only race I've ever blown up before. And so to, last week I told myself, not one 10-minute mile. I don't care if you go a 9.59, but let's not hit a 10-minute mile. My fourth goal was that in the Chicago Marathon, there is a hill at mile 26. (laughs) There is nothing meaner than a hill at mile 26, especially considering it's a very flat course. So that's probably the biggest, longest hill there is. Now, it's not a huge hill. Actually, I looked at it the day before, and I was like, that's the hill? doesn't look bad. But let me tell you what it looks like at mile 26. It looks like a mountain. Well, I told myself, in this race, this is my third time running Chicago Marathon, I am going to charge that hill and charge the finish line no matter what. Even if I'm not PRing, even if I'm not going to hit a BQ, when I make that right turn into the hill, I will charge that hill and pass as many people as I can. That is just a personal goal. I am going to charge it to the finish line. And then my last goal was I'm going to stay positive this entire race. I am not going to let one negative thought into my head. Because the moment we let a negative thought into our head at any point in life or in a race, it turns into an S-H-I-T show. And last year when I ran mountains to beach and I hit mile 17 and I blew up, I could not have been more negative And it did not help me one bit get through the rest of that marathon, which I did finish it. It just, like I said, it was an S-H-I-T show. But this time I said, no, it's not going to happen again. Negative thoughts just take you down a hole. They will never lift you up. They will never make you feel better. And that goes for life and for race. If you're having a bad day and you want to focus on all the negative thoughts, go for it. But I promise you, you'll feel worse. If you can try to find a way to find the positive in some of those negative things, it will help pull you out. Did I come up with this by myself? Absolutely not. I've been doing so much reading. I've been doing so much reading on runners, people who inspire me. Um, I just interviewed um, Tanya Farah the other week. If you didn't hear that podcast, check it out. Mo Farah, Olympian, marathon winner. Um, Mo Farah told her that staying positive, that's how you get through it. That's how you get through a bad training day. That's how you get through a bad race. You stay positive. I'm currently reading Dina Castor's book. She went through a whole section in the book where everything changed for her, When she changed her mental training and she decided to get positive. So whenever there was a hill that always made her slower, she found a way to make it positive and make it the hill she loved to crush. And I took all of these positive vibes from everybody I know that is successful, not just in running, but in life. You'll notice that some of the most successful people are positive. Now, I feel bad saying this, but I, I, I'm not a positive person by nature. If anybody, you know, I, and I'm sure you, you see me as an inspiration, and I try to always preach positivity because I, I believe in everybody. It's sometimes believing in myself that I struggle with, right, which is pretty common. If anybody knew my family or anybody in my family would probably tell you. My sister is a very positive person. I mean, she's beyond positive. She is completely my role model. <laughs> she's awesome. I'm not that person. I will tend to see the glass half empty way before half full, but I'm starting to change that, and I decided it was going to happen at the Chicago Marathon, and I am, I am here to tell you that not one negative thought hit my mind during the marathon, so that was my goal number five. Now, did I hit all those goals? I'm going to talk about that after this, okay? I'm going to talk about each one of those and if I hit them and how that made me feel. But number four in terms of life and marathons, achievements. This is the last one that's really important. There is a direct correlation in life and to marathons for your achievements. It is really important to look back at all you have achieved in your life. We've all achieved a lot of stuff. And yet we look ahead and sometimes we feel disappointed, depressed, bummed out about something. Because we don't ever look back at our achievements. Childbirth. That's a pretty big achievement. It's pretty amazing for these women, uh, myself included, to have a baby. You should look back at that. That's an achievement. Um, Having kids and raising them, that's not easy. It's an achievement. Getting through a divorce, I don't want to say that it's an achievement, but it's an achievement. If you've done it, I've done it. And if you can get through it and be able to look back on it, you got there. You did it. You got through it. It's not easy. I get it. I've been there. Um, maybe you've gotten maybe you beat cancer. That's an achievement. And you should look back and be like, I did it. I'm strong. I fought. I did it, right? Or maybe you helped a friend or a loved one get through cancer. That's an achievement as well. Buying a car. Hey, you may save for a long time and finally be able to buy your own car. Buying a house. It's amazing. All the things we sometimes need to look back at and be proud of the accomplishment, these things are big deals, right? But sometimes we overlook them. It's expected. You should buy a car. You should buy a house. You should raise kids. Well, it's also an achievement. And we gotta, we gotta sometimes look back and say, I did a good job. I did the best I could. On any days you're feeling blue, do me a favor and look back at your achievements. Look at all the amazing things you have done Now, racing's no different. When you run that marathon, I look back after the race at everything I did achieve. So here's where I'm going to go back to those goals I had. Did I hit the finish line? I absolutely did. I hit the finish line, and I got my medal. (laughs) It's amazing what we will do for a medal. Did I qualify for Boston? Nope, didn't qualify. Didn't happen. That's okay. Uh, Did I go to that hill and finish line with everything I had? Oh, yes, I did. When I thought I had nothing left in my legs last week, because I literally didn't, I remembered I had one last goal. I had to charge that hill and charge the finish line. And let me tell you what happened. I ran up that hill with so much power. I flew through that finish line. I was passing. It was the only time in the last five miles I was passing anyone. I was passing people. I was. You would have thought I was about to get my PR and I had to cross that finish line with a second to spare. That's how hard I was pushing because I had that as a goal. And I couldn't control everything in that race, but I could control that. And so I went for it. I did it, and I crossed that finish line, and I want every single person to know that something happened to me that's never happened before. I crossed the finish line, and I threw up. (laughs) Yep, it's never happened before. As soon as I crossed the finish line, I had to scoot over to the fence, to the railing, and I'm literally throwing up, like, so much. I'm sorry, it's so graphic. So much is coming out of me, and I... I don't know, I'll never know to this day, is it because I charged the hill in the finish line so hard or is it because I did add a couple of um, caffeinated Martin gels that I didn't have a chance to fully practice with, which I always tell you, nothing new on race day. It wasn't new for me. I tried one or two, but they just came out two weeks before the race. That's a whole other story. So I don't know if it was that or the charge, but anyway, I ran so hard. I was throwing up. It was not lovely, but there was such a nice man who also went through the finish line and came right over to me and put his hand on my back and I never got to see him. And I'm sure he'll never listen to this podcast, but to the man who came over and put his hand on my back and said, it's okay, get it all out as I'm throwing up. And I mean, so much is coming out. This poor man is like, get it all out, get it, has his hand on my back. I mean, he just went through the finish line of a marathon. Clearly he wasn't feeling well either, I'm sure. And all of a sudden I hear him go, can we get a medic over here? I never got to see his face because I couldn't pick my face up from throwing up. Um, But yes, the medics came over. They got me water. I was fine. But that's never happened before. Uh, What other achievements did I have in this race? That I had the fastest finish in my marathon history. Well, that's something to be proud of, right? So yeah, maybe I didn't qualify for Boston, but that was the fastest finish, probably because of that goal I had to charge the hill in the finish that I've ever had. And I never gave up. If you think you don't want to give up, everybody wants to give up in the marathon. I have now heard um, this wonderful girl, her name is Pam Hess, uh, her husband had posted, she ran the race in a 258, two hours and 58 minutes. Can you imagine? That is like unbelievable. And apparently she wanted to throw in the towel in the last five miles. So even people who are that fast. We all want to throw in the towel. Whether you're fast or slow, last five miles, you feel like death. It is so every step hurts, okay? But I never quit, and I never will. I always finish a race if I have to walk, which I did not walk at all. But if you have to, you never quit, and I never did. I never gave up, and I look back, and I say, that's a huge achievement. A huge achievement. And the last thing that I achieved, which is so important, is that I didn't have one negative thought. Now, someone asked me, can you please do a a podcast on this and explain how you didn't have one negative thought? Well, I made it my mission to not have one negative thought. And I did that by having mantras. So if I started to feel a negative thought coming on, I would instantly go to a mantra. A lot of my mantras are very simple. Things like, I can I can, I am, I am, I'm doing this, I'm strong. And I'll say that 500 times if I have to. Okay, I'm going to say I can for like two minutes. Ready? Go. With every step, I can, I can, I can. That's a positive mantra. I can, I am, I'm doing this. Keep going. You're amazing. All these things. Every time you feel like a negative thought, you've just got to turn it around as quickly as you can. Or you focus on something else. Or I put my music on the last six miles. I definitely, I love music. I put it on in the last six miles. Anything to get through. But I knew from experience, the negative thoughts are going to slow you down. They are never going to speed you up. But sometimes the positive thoughts, they make things feel better. So I just used a million mantras. And I practiced them in my training runs. There's so many training runs that are so hard. Just as hard as a race, right? So many times they're hard. Start working on your mantras. Have a ton of them and make sure they're all absolutely positive. Those are the things in a marathon that are just like your life. The beginning is always easy. Nutrition is key for everything. You've got to get goals. You've got to set them. You've got to write them down, let them scare you. And you've got to look back on your achievements. I was able to look back at my race in the days after, and say, look what a great job I did. Now, I could have easily looked back and said, I didn't qualify for Boston again. I didn't hit a personal record time. I was like 10 minutes off from where I wanted to be. There, sure, all those negative things, right? I could I could focus on all of them, or I could focus on I hit that finish line without injury. I charged that hill till I threw up. I had the fastest finish I've ever had. I didn't have a negative thought and I never gave up. It feels a lot better to me to look back at my achievements instead of looking back at my failures. So did I fail? I mean, I'm sure many of you or past coaches, um, people, I'm sure many people are like, she didn't do it again. I don't see it as a fail. I'm not a great runner. I'm a good runner. It's, it's sort of a funny thing. I've always said this about myself. I've never been great at anything, but I'm good at almost everything. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, would you rather be great at one thing or good at almost everything? Well, for me, I'm good at lots of things, and I see that as a blessing, but I'm not a great runner. And I think all my coaches would agree. They'd probably say, you're not a great runner, but you're a good runner, and you're strong, and you can do anything you want. So no, I didn't qualify for Boston. It may take me 10 times. It may take me 20, but I don't see it as a failure. I learn with every race. Every race day is different. The wind was horrible in Chicago. Like there's so many factors, right? But I'm not going to blame those. There's things I know I can work on. Am I disappointed? Not really. I, I, honestly, I knew that the BQ, the Boston qualifying time, was a stretch for me. I'm not disappointed because I was able to accomplish so many of those other goals. And I know things that I can work on for the next time. So I'm really not. I'm, how can you be disappointed with your seventh marathon? You reached the finish line. You didn't quit. That's a, that's a big deal. I'm patting myself on the back right now. <laughs> um, am I done trying? So my mom is always like, every time I finish an Ironman or a marathon, bless my mom, she was there to pick me up at the end of uh, this marathon. Literally, she was at the at the finish line for me. And um, she's always like, okay, are you done now? (laughs) She feels like I'm, you know, just pushing myself to the limit. She's always saying, are you done now? no i'm not i'm not done trying i mean i did the overall goal is always going to be to go to boston because the day i go to boston i mean can you imagine i feel like not only will i be so excited i feel like all of you guys are gonna be so excited (laughs) for me it's not like it comes easy right especially not for me not for many people so no i'm not i'm not done trying um someone asked me why do you keep switching your coaches so that's, that's a great question, and I want everyone to know that I, I have loved all my coaches, except probably for one that shall go nameless, um, but I have loved all my coaches. But someone taught me something once, and it always really resonated with me. Um, it was someone on my son's baseball team, a parent, when he was on baseball. So he was like in second grade, but his kid was really good at baseball, and he made this point of, telling me once, he said, I plan on having every coach there is in Austin or this area coach my kid. I don't care what team I'm on. I want every single coach possible to, um, or I want my child to have the experience of every coach possible because every coach does it differently. And he will always learn a, a million new things from a different coach. And I have to agree. I love almost all the coaches I've ever had. They've all done an amazing job. And I don't change coaches because a coach disappointed me. I change coaches. I just want a new experience. Okay. I've done it that way. And now let's see what this coach has to offer. Every coach has taught me something new. And so to me, it's just develop. it's like a development thing. I like to learn as many ways as I can in different ways. Every coach generally has their own style, their their own marathon plan, their own way that they do things. And so I, and and I have gone back to coaches because I've liked how I've performed with them or I like their style or like you know I'm always happy there and so I don't switch coaches because the coach has failed me I switch coaches because I'm always looking for a new education I guess you could say on how to do things um, so that's that's that. I mean, Gilbert's gazelles was my coach for this, and he's helped me this entire year. I, I had my best half marathon time ever this year. I had my best 10K time ever this year with him. It wasn't my greatest marathon, but I still had a great race because of him, and, and I love Gilbert, and you know, I'll always be a gazelle and, and still run with them. Does it mean I'll, I'll always run with them? Like No, because I just want to get as many coach perspectives as possible. Um, my Ironman coach, Natasha Vundermer. She's amazing as well, and and quite honestly, if I have to do another Ironman, she probably will be my go-to if she's still taking clients because she did do an amazing job, and I really like her as well, and I like her style. But don't be afraid if you are in a sport to try different coaches because, like I said, everybody does it a little bit differently, and to me, it's about getting as much education. One coach could say one thing in a different way, Even though they all mean pretty much the same thing, sometimes they say it in a different way that resonates with you. Or you're like, oh, that's what that meant. Like, now I get it. And so sometimes that can definitely help. Um, That's really it, everyone. The uh, The marathon experience, it's like life. And you don't give up in life, right? You shouldn't be giving up. It shows your true character when you're sort of under that stress and you want to give up. Those are the times that your true character really shows. Anyone can handle the easy days or the beginning miles. But what you do when it gets tough, that's, that's what really shows who you really are. You know, and in my family, we have this thing, you know, Team Eagle in my house, we do not quit. And my son knows that, you know, we've talked about it before. He actually told me recently that the hardest race he ever did was his regionals race last year. He unfortunately took a goo and it made him throw up. It made him throw up so much right before his race. And unfortunately, he did not race well at all. He came in last place, which is time was still amazing, but it wasn't his day out there. And he could have quit at any time. He could have walked off that track. I think another kid walked off that track, but he didn't. And he told me that's the hardest race I ever did because I felt terrible. I knew I was doing terrible, but I told myself I wouldn't quit and I just had to finish. And sometimes that's what it's about. It's about not quitting and just showing yourself that you can finish. And then the same kid told me after Chicago marathon, he said, Hey, mom, just want to let you know, you beat two of the pros in the Chicago marathon this year. And I was like, what? I didn't beat any pros. He said, yes, you did. Two of the pros from the Oregon project dropped out of this race. They DNF'd mom. They quit. Now, I don't know what the background story is on them. I, I know they lost their coach recently, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So, I, you know, if they were injured, I totally get it. But he said, they quit, and you didn't. You finished the race. And that, yeah, I could cry right now, but that means everything. When your kid knows that you didn't quit, even though it was really hard, and a marathon is, it's really hard. I'm all teary-eyed right now. When he said, you did it, Mom, you didn't quit. If you don't think that's the best feeling in the world, well, it absolutely is. So there you have it. There's no easy marathon. There's no easy life. Get out, go out, and attack it. Honestly, go out with with everything you do. Attack it with positivity. Attack it with courage each and every day. You cannot look back from that and ever be disappointed if you know you gave it your all. All right, everyone, that's it for today. The Earn That Body podcast, always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, health information, and a few extra tears today. I hope you're motivated. I want you to stay strong, pick some goals that scare you, and I will talk to you next week. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to EarnThatBody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.